hello and welcome to the Permissionless Podcast. I'm back after kind of a short hiatus. If you're signed up to the newsletter, I kind of explained a little bit about that, but I'm super excited to be back. I have episode three for you from season one. If you want to catch up on any of the old episodes, you can go to permissionless.com forward slash podcast, or you can finally subscribe to us on iTunes and you'll have access to the old episodes and you'll also be notified when anything new gets pushed through. So without further ado, here is episode three. Hi, and welcome to the Permissionless Podcast. I'm your host, Selena Vidya, and today we have a fantastic guest. Um, she is a dear friend of mine, and I'm so excited for you to hear about her journey and passion and, and life. So her name is Ekvila Harlow. Did I say that right, Harlow? Okay. And she is a digital marketing consultant by day and a bucket lister by night. And she goes on the most amazing trips and does a lot of interesting things. So let's rock and roll. How are you? Doing well, thanks. How are you? Good, good, good. Um, sorry that it's kind of like hot and sticky in here. I turned off the AC. My hands are all sweaty. Um, okay, so you have a really interesting journey. Um, when I first met you, I didn't know half of the things that I know now about you. And I think that's really endearing because you've done a lot of just like things that are left field, right field. Um, and they were all things you loved. So do you want to, do you want to walk us through, um, what started your first passion area? Oh goodness. Um, so I've been really into art and music. My biological dad, he was an artist and my mother was a professional pianist. So I kind of, uh, fell into that area. And plus my mother made me learn piano since my grandmother was a professional pianist. So was my aunt and my cousin. I had so. to learn piano too. I think that's just something parents <laughs> make you do like, here, learn this instrument. <laughs> So um, I did that for a few years, and I realized that my mother being my teacher probably wasn't the relationship we wanted to have. So mm-hmm. instead of student-teacher, we're like, let's do mother and daughter. And so then I started middle school and joined band and wanted to play clarinet and saxophone originally, but I had really bad buck teeth and I had to get braces. So that's a whole story in itself. But I wasn't allowed to play any reed instruments, so I got stuck oh, really? Oh. <laughs> yeah. um, it was great uh, for three years. It wasn't the um, instrument that I was passionate about, I wouldn't say. So once I finished uh, middle school and moved on to high school, I was like, all right, you know what, mom, here's why I don't want to do this. And I'm going to do something else. So I was at that point, I was a little bit older. So I was getting exposed to more concerts, going to shows. And I realized that I wanted to be a DJ. So I picked up some turntables on eBay for like super cheap. It's kind of broken. (laughs) And I kind of started the whole DJ thing and um, music and finding my, passions through that area I love that and I you I love that you did that because the only DJing that I've done though I'm interested in it is DJ hero awesome. <laughs> it's like the lowest of lowest of lowest like it's not even real life but it's fun I'm sure it could be just as challenging because I've I haven't played that I've played guitar hero and mm-hmm. I was terrible at it. I was like I couldn't I was falling all over the place. <laughs> I get really OCD with um, things like that. Do you ever feel like you just have to get it right so you do it over and over and over? Or maybe that's just me. <laughs> <laughs> so when you were DJing, you were playing shows and you actually gave it a good run, right? Yeah, so doing it for about 10 years, uh, all, I don't know, on and off. So throughout high school, college, and then a little bit into, I don't know, my post collegiate years so I did weddings primarily when I was in high school since I made some friends uh that own a company and they're like oh it's like come and do weddings while well, it's fun and it paid well especially at that point in my life mm-hmm. I really didn't like doing weddings <laughs> people just I was what 15 16 at the time and mm-hmm. I'd have people that were having too much fun and had too much to drink yelling at me to play certain songs that we didn't have or that the bride and groom requested or requested on their like do not playlist. Mm-hmm. So it was after high school, I was like, yeah, no more of that. That's enough. So I preferred doing music that I wanted to play and kind of have control over it and um, started playing clubs and parties and raves. <laughs> nice. Raves. Oh God. I haven't heard the word rave in so long. I don't really have to say it. I was like, mm. <laughs> I think you just aged us. <laughs> But no, I remember um, I went to my first rave in like some random underground warehouse in Boston. I don't even know what I was doing. It was so strange. Um, and it was like the UFO pants and the yes. glow sticks and all of that. It was just. I get so excited. People know what UFO pants are. <laughs> I used to love UFO pants. I had like three pairs. I had silver, um, tan. And then I think I had another silver one with a different strip, like, awesome. cause they had the different colors. Yeah. <laughs> so did you have any? I had a pair of baby blue ones with these like silver those strip things on the pockets <laughs> did you ever turn it into a backpack 
No, oh. I knew you could, but I never did. I tried once, but I didn't actually wear it out. <laughs> so we're like, here, hold your stuff. Oops, everything fell out. Yeah. Like, oh, I'll just put it back in my pants. <laughs> so what was your DJ name? I don't think I know this. Mm, people are like, oh, just use your real name, but it gets mangled all the time. And it's like, I don't want people seeing my name on a flyer. Like, what's Akville or Akvile or who knows, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I have to spend my name out a lot phonetically and I'll put little hyphens in between it when I'm spelling it out phonetically for people. And I was like, what about just hyphen? So that's what I went with. And that's what I've kept. But even though I don't like play anymore, I'm just a bedroom DJ again. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so did you, um, do you feel like DJing helped you acquire a lot of skill, skills that you use now? Um, like having to be around people and things of that nature? Oh, absolutely. I was a huge wallflower all throughout high school and I got sick of it by the time I was 18. So this is kind of me trying to step out of that shell. Mm-hmm. But um, I think the biggest thing I learned was to kind of gain confidence. And that was one of the questions that I thought you were going to ask me later, the time to talk about that. But that was something I, I lacked a lot of my life so far. So I think that was a huge step forward mm-hmm. where I can kind of get a little bit more comfortable being in front of people. Yeah. yeah and that's one hell of a way to like, push yourself <laughs> in and get comfortable. I won't lie. Probably the first, like, usually I played hour sets. So probably the first 45 minutes of the hour, I would be so nervous and I kind of wouldn't be present. Mm-hmm. And the last 15 minutes I'd jam out. I'm like, oh, it's over. <laughs> nice guys. <out. laughs> I know. If only you could just switch like the beginning to the, or the end to the beginning, the beginning to the end and just yeah. flow with it. <laughs> okay. So you were DJing for about 10 years and then you decided to transition into something else. Well, life happened, got busier was after college and then, um, moving and, just work kind of mm-hmm. just life happens and I didn't get to do it as much. I still have a bunch of records and a turntable, but I'd love to do it again. But I think it just, it's a part of a chapter in my life that I'm done doing publicly. Yeah. 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 Sometimes it's good to leave memories as memories and yeah. not bring them back up. <laughs> <laughs> so for new things, um, I tried to paint when I have time, but primarily for the last year and a half, I've been focusing on my business. So that's kind of my new passion and project. So mm-hmm. that's where it is now. <laughs> Nice. Um, and we're going to get to that part, um, because I know that's your current and that's what you love doing right now. Um, but I, I think you had mentioned something about doing autocross. Correct. (laughs) (laughs) Are you open to talking about that? I'm really curious about it. I think that's great. Um, so I did about four years. I was into cars for as long as I can remember. And then when I was in high school, I was working at this bubble tea cafe and it turned out to be like, so let me backtrack a little bit. So the Bubble Tea Cafe, we were in a strip mall, and there's a huge parking lot, and other businesses that were there weren't really heavily visited. So we had a car forum at my university where I actually made some friends with people at it before a year before I started going there. And since I worked at the Bubble Tea Cafe, everybody knew me as a bubble tea girl, and they would just have car meets there because they're like, can we use your parking lot? So I talked to my manager, and he's like, oh, yeah, absolutely, and he loved cars too. So mm-hmm. we ended up having the online car forum grow over uh, several years, and then uh, an autocross association kind of teamed up with us, and we nice. just had car meets every single night. Like, if you didn't have anything to do, you know, you could probably pop by the parking lot and hang out with a bunch of car people and then cruise the loop around. Uh, I grew up in Buffalo, New York, so all the highways kind of made a loop, and we had this, like, we ended up calling the loop, but I think the cops later caught on to it. <laughs> They're like, so approximately Friday at 9 p.m., you know that everybody's gonna do this loop go yeah, pretty much <laughs> so we have to be careful about it and just be safe so to kind of make it more legal we uh, a bunch of us joined the autocross uh club that was there so it was uh, wscca which is the, the national organization that does autocross mm-hmm. so once a month uh, there'd be different locations around western new york where we would go and you sign up and you could uh, join the club and then you would get to race with cars that are in the same group so based on like engine size engine size or mods and uh, there are go-kart, there's a go-kart portion or like a luxury car portion and all sorts of cars. So it was really fun. We got to do it on Sundays and nice. get some friends through that. And it was a really good hobby throughout college, but it was an expensive one since, you know, car parts are expensive. And oh, when you're yeah. into it, you're like, ooh. So I was going to get a credit card when I first got in college. And I was like, okay, I wrote a list of all the car parts that I want to buy in the car. And I was like, oh, you know, I could pay this off because the, the recruiter or the, or the credit card person at the university was like, oh, yeah, you just sign up and pay it off. And I didn't. Well, as well as they people. make it sound so easy. So I was about to do it and just buy all the car parts, and luckily I had a few friends that were older and wiser, and they're like, "Do not do that." And I'm really grateful today that I didn't do that since I'd probably be like several grand in debt due to car parts. Oh my god, I went through, and it's so easy to do that too yeah. because I went through that. Um, so upstate New York, 
like we had the same exact thing except we did it at Dunkin' Donuts. Oh yeah. So we would take over a Dunkin' Donuts parking lot, and then um, <laughs> it was like every Thursday night or something, all the car people would come with their cars, and I had this uh, black eclipse that awesome. was just oh, it was awesome at the time until it tried to kill me every time I drove it. I had wheels fall off, probably not actually not my fault. It uh, came out of a repair shop and they didn't oh, tighten the lug nuts. Um, but yeah, we used to dump so much money into our cars. So it's smart that you didn't go because everything would just break anyway. Right. <laughs> so. Did you have a turbo? I had one that I was going to install. Fine. And then I didn't realize that they're not just bolt-in because I was new to everything. So I'm like, I'm just going to pick up this turbo. And I got it from a GSX and I was like, oh, this will bolt into my GS. And then I had tried, I was like, this doesn't look like it's going to work. They're like, yeah, you need to, you know, do all of this extra stuff for like thousand dollars. I'm like, mm, how about no? <laughs> Cause it'll probably blow up. I'll get the, you get the credit card for that. I know, right? <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. So, um, after that, what was your next kind of foray into a passion? Oh man, you know, so sorry, take it down a little bit. Um, I've always done something, but by the time I hit 25, I'd kind of had a lot of life realizations. And I think that's when, can I say a swear word? I was going to say, shit just got real. Oh yeah, please swear. Okay. I'm surprised I haven't sworn yet. Go for it. Yes, I got the first one. Start small. Um, you win. So I wanted to travel a lot more while I was in my twenties and do a lot more things, but uh, after school, like had to start paying school loans back. So I tried to be a lot more financially responsible and start work and try to pay that stuff off. So I didn't get to do as much as I wanted to. And uh, I was in an eight-year relationship with someone, and when I was twenty-five, I think it started hitting that like, where's this going? And I think that our paths started separating. So we tried for two more years after that to kind of fix things. So when I was twenty-seven, I ended up getting divorced, and that's kind of where this whole trying to find myself and what my next passion was going to be and what I want to do for essentially like, I don't know, second try at, at life and mm-hmm. what I want to do and who I want to become and kind of, I don't know, just build it up. So passion after that is obviously my new, my new job mm-hmm. and bucket listing. <laughs> yes. I was actually going to talk about that because you just put up a post, I think a day or two ago mm-hmm. yeah. um, with uh, Toastmasters, like questions and yeah. answers to kind of ask yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think that's really cool. And so you had also recently, you go on vacations and you kind of bucket list those as well, right? Yes. I unfortunately don't blog as much as I'd like to. So blogging is not my forte. I want to be good at it. I know that takes practice, but I feel like there's all these other things that I'd rather do first. And I'm still bucket listing, but I just need to catch up on the blog. So I do try to do a lot more now and I'm able to like work hard, budget, but also make time for play and just do things that I'm like, why am I working? Like I want to live too and enjoy things. So that's kind of the route I've been taking the last few years and yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've been living vicariously through your photographs, like your Instagram and stuff. I'm like, Oh, I feel it's here. This is so cool. And then I get to see all these places that you've seen through your photos. So keep doing it Thank so you. I can stalk. Well, you should do it too. I know I want to, I want to do weekend trips and try to make that like a thing and just go down a bucket list. What would be one thing that was on it? One or two. Hmm. I don't know yet. Oh, I mean, this isn't like a crazy cool one, but Santa Barbara. I really want to go and take a weekend there. Have you been there before? No. Oh, I haven't either. I was driving by. I'm like, one of these days I'll stop. <laughs> I've heard that it, it's kind of like a little Italy Mediterranean feel yeah. to it. Yeah. So I really wanted to go. Um, like the way the cliffs fall to the water and the way the buildings are set up, it's just very like Mediterranean. So. You should go and then I'll live vicariously through you and then you'll give me some pointers and then I'll go. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll be like, hey, you have to go here. <laughs> Um, so you mentioned school. What did you go to school for? Oh man. So I wanted to be a graphic designer and, uh, my parents kind of convinced me otherwise that I should go to college for something that will be very high demand for the rest of my life. So there, my, my stepdad's a doctor and he's like, Oh, you should be a doctor. And I was the type of child that didn't want to disappoint my parents. So I was like, oh, okay. Like I'm, I'm very adaptable. So I kind of talked myself into it and I did it and I realized like, you know what I'm paying for college and this is going to be an expensive route and am I really passionate about it? So unfortunately I wasn't brave enough to tell my, my dad that I don't want to do it until I was graduating my bachelor's degree. Oh really? Wow. (laughs) So, um, while it was a super interesting experience, I was going to do, um, Oh, sorry. I was going to, Oh, there we go. Sorry. (laughs) Uh, so originally I went to school for, I was going to do, 
some sort of medical degree. And then I was thinking, like, oh, you'll do pharmacy. But then while I was good at science, I didn't want to sit in a lab or at a pharmacy. And that really wasn't my thing. I like being around people and trying to be more creative since, I guess, my upbringing. Mm -hmm. So then I was like, well, how do I be around people but still kind of be in the medical field and make my parents proud? So I um, I switched to physical therapy, and I loved it a lot more. And I took some really great classes in, I will admit, cadaver lab. Probably just said it's super creepy, but it was the coolest. Oh, I forgot about that. You told me this before. The cadaver lab. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of like the top experiences of my life. Bodies. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> sounds so creepy. It's so cool though. So after I graduated to my parents, and of course they were they weren't happy to hear that, but I was like, here's my plan, here's what I want to do. And I wanted to go to marketing since I could be creative and also work with people and help people, which is something that I've also liked doing throughout my life, just kind of bring around people and helping them. Mm -hmm. So I tried to get a few jobs, but it was hard because I had a science background. Everybody's like, well, why do you want to be a marketer? And I was competing with other people that just finished their marketing degrees or business degrees. So I ended up doing two internships and went to, I started my MBA, did it for one year and realized, oh man, this is expensive because I was doing it at a um, out-of-state private university. Mm -hmm. So that automatically jacks up the tuition costs. And Yeah, because you, know, you can't get residency. No. At all. No. So I did it one year and I realized I'm like, oh man, like this is great, but I don't want to be a CEO of some corporation. And while it's super interesting, it, I have to pay out of pocket and it's not yeah. something I wanted to do. And there was only one marketing class in three years for the program and the rest were like accounting and I don't know, finances. Ugh. I was like, yeah, that's going to be torture. So yeah. Any kind of numbers will. <laughs> <laughs> So that's the, uh, I don't know, the educational route that I took. Nice. It's, uh, it's interesting because I don't feel like I've talked to one person who just went straight through school and was happy with it. Yeah. They're like, I want to be, well, except for doctors who actually, who go through and they know from birth, they're like, I'm going to be a doctor. Right. Um, I feel like they're a special breed of people. Oh, know? absolutely. But uh, most people, like for me, I went through so many different degrees. I was going to go into engineering because my dad was an really? engineer. Oh, yeah. And okay. I started, um, I was going to do electrical engineering because that's what he did. And I figured, oh, my dad did it. So, you know, um, and then I started taking uh, like the basic math classes I had, I think trigonometry and all of this stuff. And I was like, I don't want to sit like if this is just to get into like prereq, oh, I don't want to do it. Um, so I find it interesting that you had switched a lot because I think that's how we find out what we really want to do, especially Absolutely. when we experience, um, like for the MBA, just having all the math classes and it sets the reality of like, this is going to be my life. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, it's amazing how our dads can influence us so much. <laughs> I know. Right. And there is, um, I almost did the design route too. I was like, I want to be a graphic designer. Um, I actually, just when I had met Shane, I was in that phase where I was trying to figure that out. My dad's like, you're not going to make money. You need to get a real degree. I'm like, I'm so offended right now. <laughs> oh, I get that. Especially because you want to make your parents proud, right? And then yeah. Like, well, that's not what they want to do, but yeah. I'm supportive. I'm sure that they are at this point. Like, you're super successful. So Yeah, I just kind of like did my own thing. And, <laughs> and then they, well, once you start doing things that they can be, I guess, proud of when they're unsure about what you're doing, then they, they love it. Yeah. Um, it's just the uncertainty where they feel like they have to help you and guide you and yeah. you know, all that stuff. Um, so you had marketing internships and you got into marketing. So before you got to where you are now with, um, your own thing, were you working for a company? Like what were you doing in between, um, when you just started to now? So after, I guess my first official marketing job was when I was still doing physical therapy and mm -hmm. they needed some marketing help. And I was like, Hey, like I already work here in the office doing physical therapy things I'd be happy to do some other stuff so that's kind of where I started getting to kind of dabble in marketing and then my first official internship was at a pet insurance company up in Seattle called Trupanion and they were I think they had like 12 people when I first started so I was their SEO marketing link building intern <laughs> for about three months and then I uh, wanted to stay there and we ended up talking of um and my manager at the time was like, Hey, like take a look at our AdWords account and let me know what you think on Monday. And we'll talk and see like, I don't know what we can do moving mm -hmm. forward. And yeah. so I went back to, Oh, I'm sorry. I totally skipped ahead. There was a job before that. The first internship was at Evo, the snowboard ski and uh, like Ooh. outdoor apparel company up in Seattle. That's exciting. So e-commerce intern first. And then when I went to Japan and then they gave me their AdWords account, I was like, Oh man, I, I don't know what to do. So I have like 
two days over the weekend to cram everything I know and learn about AdWords and play with the account and see what they've done and didn't work. Mm-hmm. So I went back and called my friends at Eva. I was like, hey, can you give me a quick rundown of AdWords? <laughs> I have no idea where to start. So Monday I came in and kind of presented what I learned and they ended up giving me a job. So I was there for a few years and that was my first official PPC gig. That's awesome. <laughs> and it's interesting how relationships tie into it. So, mm-hmm. you know, when you were trying to learn here, you could go back to somebody that you had worked with in the past and be like, Hey, I need a little help. Can you yeah. help me? Um, and I think that's just so important that a lot of people don't, they kind of burn through them. Yeah. But if you want to kind of move from industry to industry or job to job, you need to keep good relationships with people. Absolutely. <laughs> so I just derailed us. Um, okay. So Trapanion, yeah. you were there. Um, you were just starting to learn AdWords. Uh, how long were you there for? I think I was there for almost three years. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then I was looking to move to California. So that's like, they need somebody in-house and to stay in the office and not a remote position. So unfortunately I couldn't stay with them. Mm-hmm. So then I went to uh, third door media, which hosts the SMX conferences. And I was there for about four years. Nice. And what did you do there? Were you doing community or social or just a mix of oh man, everything? <laughs> a lot of things. <laughs> so we were a, depart- a marketing department of two. So it was my boss and I, and she did a lot of the content, email and um, other marketing things. And I pretty much took over all the paid search and paid social and organic social. So a lot of people just knew me as a social media or Facebook girl. As some people would call me since that was uh, when I got to show what I did mostly for work. And uh, But behind the scenes, it was actually more like 80% of my job was PPC. So I would do all the uh, Facebook ads, Google, or Google, uh, Google, sorry. <laughs> Google. Bloopers. I wish I could just call Google Google all day, all day. Okay. I can't even talk now. I'm sorry. I'm tongue dead. Okay. So Google ads. Yes. So, oh, and LinkedIn, like anywhere there's uh, online advertising that was relevant to our audience. I pretty much at least tested it out or just did it long-term. Mm-hmm. It was fun. I learned a lot, met a lot of really cool people. And, uh, that was probably the biggest place that I made a lot of relationships with those friends or business uh, colleagues for later and clients. So good experience going back to the thing that you're saying about always keep in touch with people. Yeah, for sure. And, um, so with the conference circuit, um, I'm sure a lot of the newer relationships that you built were just from being around there and Mm -hmm. getting out there and talking to people and finding people that you want to meet. Um, do you, did you find a lot of this word is kind of, I like and hate this word, but mentors, did you find a lot of people who you could talk with about the industry who are open to kind of sharing their experiences and stuff like that? Oh, absolutely. I thought that I was actually surprised by how giving helpful and kind people are in our, in our industry. Mm-hmm. So that was the really like the first taste I had of it going big, bigger shows like that. Just meeting a lot of people and then seeing where people come back to other shows and there's a lot of familiar faces. And there were definitely some mentors, um, one that we know, Pam, I met her through the industry too. So she's actually going to be on the podcast. Awesome. Yeah. So everybody else is going to get to hear her story too. She's amazing. Awesome. I can't wait to hear it. <laughs> no, she's fantastic. Um, at that point I had mentors or just people that I looked up to and there's, um, like Marty Weintraub was actually one of like the first people that I really connected with that helped me. And he was reached out to me all the time. was like, Hey, have you tried this? Have you tried that? And he was just incredibly helpful. And, um, so I would say that he was probably my first mentor in the industry. And especially when it comes to Facebook ads, he just, oh, yeah. Yeah. Hack and then LinkedIn ads. He does out. crazy oh, stuff yeah. on Facebook, just testing and experimenting. So, um, and over the years I, I made a bunch of relationships where I didn't know that they would end up being mentors, but after I went on my own, uh, to work for myself, uh, a lot of people kind of just popped up and I thought that I'd kind of be forgotten about since I wasn't in the conference circuit and I'd have mm-hmm. to focus on my business and not be able to travel as much and not be there all the time. But I was actually the opposite effect. And it's been really nice. People were so willing to reach out. And as soon as I was like, Hey, I'm starting to work for myself. People were like, Hey, if you have an advice or you have any questions, please feel free to hit me up. And I've always been hesitant about asking for help, but there's no shame in it. I've learned and everybody needs a little help yeah. sometimes. And you can't find the answer on Google. (laughs) 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 It's good to have that um, interaction with people. And that's what Pam ended up being one of my mentors after I went on my own. She's been doing this for a long time and it's uh, 
I hope to be like her someday in terms of how knowledgeable she is. And she she does really great work for her clients. She does. And it's, I wanted to touch back on the asking for help thing. Um, Cause I've talked with people about this a lot and I feel like we're so afraid to ask for help because we feel like it shows a weakness or something like that. But, um, you know, when I had went on on my own too, I had asked for help. I had said, Hey, if you, you know, if you have anybody that you need help working with, just shoot them over to me or I need, you know, work or do you have anything that I can do? And it's just amazing that people will help you. It's not highly competitive. Um, I mean, it is, but it's not at the same time because there's so many clients to go around and there's so many disciplines and right. things like that. Um, so yeah, the major takeaway from this part, I think is the asking for help part. I love that. Makes me wonder though, are other industries just giving? I don't know. I, I feel like they're not. Um, I actually, have you heard of the Stiletto Network book? I haven't. What's that about? So the Stiletto Network is a book. I think it's a couple of years old now. And it basically talks about, um, these networks of women and they get together from different industries. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, the whole point is they talk about what's going on in their industries and the world. And then there's kind of an ask and a give. Okay. So if I know that, you know, you're working with an investor and I'm starting a business and I'm going to need investment, I can say, Hey, do you mind introducing me to that person? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of code that that person will be like, yeah, okay. Cause there's a very small trusting bond between them. Um, and with that network, it's just kind of like, it's the whole asking for help. Like mm-hmm. that's pure and simple asking for help. Mm-hmm. Um, and they do it. So, and, uh, you know, from what I was hearing with their industries, it wasn't that way. Really? Like they had to form this group because they couldn't find things within their industries oh, where people wanted to help them. So they kind of like cross worked across industry with people for investor relationships, business relationships. And it was so much easier. That's smart. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's a whole pride thing and then the competition comes into play. So, but it's nice that we don't have to deal with that as much in our industry. I know our industry's fun. So what was the defining moment? So now you're working for yourself. Um, what was the defining moment where you just felt like you had to, like you had that itch and you, you knew that you needed to, uh, or was it a gradual thing? Maybe it wasn't a specific moment. I feel like I knew what the end goal was, but it was a gradual thing. So, um, Fortunately, I had to kind of hit rock bottom after my divorce and realize, okay, like my life felt like a tornado went through it and I knew where all the pieces had scattered, but I just had to go find them, put them back together, but try to build them stronger and better. Mm-hmm. So it was a gradual process. Obviously I had to find myself and figure out what I wanted to do and, and, um, just, yeah, like I, I feel like I just, I knew that I wanted to work for myself because it was a recurring theme over the years and everybody uh, was really supportive and trying to push me towards it for the last two or three years. But I think I had to personally get to that point myself to where I was like, okay, I, I don't want to, I don't want the the norm that I had before. I wasn't happy with it. And contentment is like the ultimate goal for my life. Mm -hmm. So, um, I, I don't know. It just took some time to kind of get there, but it was step by step that I figured it out and put all the pieces back together. And I can say now that things are good and I think I've found that spot. Obviously like there's still plenty more room to improve. And, yeah. But did you, um, I mean, was it scary? So there's certain times where you're so excited to take the leap that the fear is kind of not there. But then there's other situations where you are excited, but it's just like the fear is blinding and there's like this chasm. Yeah. Like, I think that's the word chasm that you feel like you have to cross Mm -hmm. to get to that point. Um, How did you, did you experience a lot of fear? And if you did, how did you break yourself of it? I think it was just, I didn't feel the fear at first. I think it was just like emotional and mental adrenaline, I guess I'd kind of describe as that. I knew that, okay, I have to do all these different things and I was just go, go, go and doing. And I think that when the dust settled, I was like, oh my goodness, what happened? (laughs) (laughs) So for instance, like I remember the first month of working for myself perfectly, uh, leading up to it, I was super pumped. I was like, all right, here we go. We're going to launch a website. have a date. I'm going to do it. It's going to be so exciting. And I have some clients lined up and then I gave my notice. And then the first week I was like, all right. Okay, it's just me. I don't have to like. I felt so lost that I didn't have to report to someone or I am anybody or call anybody a specific yeah. time. And 
it took a while for me to learn that. But then week two, I was like, oh my goodness, what did I do? Do I know what I'm doing? I don't know what I'm doing. Why did I quit? So that's when you're actually set in and it's like, like I'm responsible for my life and my finances and living a life that I'm pursuing. So the reality of it set in, but as the weeks went on, everybody's like, go find your groove, just give it some time. It might take a few months, but just keep going at it. And I think over time, like I knew it was going to happen, but it's just, mm-hmm. you're fighting time and there's nothing you can do. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like the first month is such a whirlwind. Like, it is the biggest emotional roller coaster that you can go through when you're finally like I'm working for myself because you have like the excitement stage and then you have um, like the fear and denial stage where you're like, oh shit, like <laughs> I have to actually make money. How am I going to do this? Yeah. Is, is this going to work? Are people, you know, um, going to stick to the word with send me like, how is this going to work? Um, and then you get to the groove part where you're just like, yeah, I got this, I got this. Um, and then at the end of the month, you're like, I did it. And you're back at that, the top of the plateau. Um, how long it's definitely that? a journey. <laughs> <laughs> so how long did it take you to get to find your groove? Uh, honestly, I still feel I'm two years, two years into it. I think almost two years into it. And I still feel like there are days where I am lost where I'm just like, I don't even know, like up from down, left from right. And then there's, um, you know, periods of time it's longer now. So I'll go a while feeling like I'm in the groove, but I still have that, those moments where it drops out and I'm like, Oh, what am I doing? Um, you know, what's next. But I would say to get to kind of the even keel state, it was maybe like four or five months, um, because I started the middle of summer and winter time was very slow. So just when I got in the groove, clients slow down for the winter. Um, because for SEO related stuff, you start their campaigns way early. Um, whereas with paid, you have to be like on there for the holidays right there. And so for me, everything had just slowed down and I was just monitoring stuff. And then the fear had set in again. Um, so yeah, that was a really long winded answer to your question, (laughs) but it's the fear is still there for me. Like I'm I just, I don't know, I operate that way. <laughs> it's really healthy too to have that. It kind of gives you a little reality check that there are ups and downs. And then when you have it down, you're like, all right, how do I get back up there? And yeah. So. Yeah. And I feel like you get a little more creative each time. Um, you know, you try different things and you break away from your usual routine. So awesome. We'll keep going at it. Yeah. <laughs> it accomplishment. I know. I think about that all the time because with consulting stuff, it's such a whirlwind. Um, And the way that, you know, projects are tiered out, there's just a huge chunk of time dedicated to a project. And then all that time passes and suddenly you're a couple months into the year and it's just, it is a whirlwind. Um, That actually brings me to something I'm really curious about. What is a day like for you? Oh, good question. Right now. So while working for myself for like almost a year and a half now, I have figured out at what points in the day my brain works best for certain tasks and what things need to accompany it to make it better. So for instance, I've kind of learned to format my day where now that I'm able to kind of structure things and when I have calls and what projects I kind of take on. So in the morning, my analytical part of my mind is way sharper than it is in the afternoon. So I usually try to start work by like 7.30 or 8 at the latest and I try to just have that format of like, I try to do a normal work day, but obviously, as you know, working for yourself, sometimes I'll work on weekends yeah, nights and super early in the morning. So I'll try to start work at eight and then I'll do any reporting or any heavy analysis in the mornings. And then the afternoons are usually better for creative stuff, so like writing ad copy and um, just content. So if I can, I try to split it up that way. Obviously it doesn't always happen. I'll have to like intertwine some reporting in the afternoon or like ad hoc stuff, but yeah. Usually around two o'clock in the afternoon, I my brain just shuts off, unfortunately, because I just I don't really take a break until two o'clock. So lately, I've been trying to go to the gym and just at least go for a little walk and outside, even if I can only do ten minutes. So then by the time I get back, I'm I'm ready to work again, and yes. then dinner, and then maybe some work. But I try to relax if I can. Yeah. Do Do you feel like um, kind of keeping up with fitness or just some kind of activity helps you it's important to your routine or is this a new thing that you are trying or have you been doing it for a long time on and off for a long time admittedly uh, I wish I could do it more is just some days I'm able to and I'll get into the zone I'm like all right every day I'll go and it's my two o'clock thing and but for the last few weeks things have gotten busier I try to stack in more work during the day and I'm like oh like I'll go later and then it's later and I'm not really in the mood to go so I tried to put on workout clothes earlier in the day so then kind of 
entice me to go out the door later and instead of being like, oh, I should put, like workout clothes on and then head out. So I try to make it a routine, but it's it's been on and off my whole life. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally get that. Um, because two or three o'clock was the sweet spot when I was trying to do it too, because nobody's at the gym. Oh, Everybody's yeah. still at work. That's <laughs> um, yeah. So you can get in and get out and do whatever you want to do. But, uh, you know, depending on my work, sometimes I'll go later. And if I go at eight or nine at night, I'm wired. Like I can't sleep. Oh. So I'm just awake until like 12 or one. And then I can't get up early. So oh, it's just this weird cycle. Um, but yeah, the whole, like, I think people think it's easier when you work for yourself because you can control your time, but at the same time, sometimes time controls you. Yeah. Um, especially if you're in a client facing business, because you have certain responsibilities to them when they're in their working window of time. Absolutely. Um, so it gets kind of, it's difficult sometimes. Yeah, everybody always says, I'm sure you get it a lot too. Like, oh, you work from home. You can do whatever you want. It's like, oh yeah, I still go to work. It's just, I don't have a commute. Like my commute is from my bedroom to my office. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't even, I don't wear pants sometimes. Like, do you actually dress up? Cause I don't. Okay. I changed out of my, like, whatever I'm sleeping in, like put something else on. So I'm like, okay, I've done something and I'm ready for the work day. But sometimes I don't even do that. Like I roll out in my pajamas and I just work for a couple mm. hours. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's <laughs> tough, but I, I don't know. I've mastered it. So I think that's good. Hey, it works for you. Yes. Yeah. Working for my PJs. <laughs> um, so, all right. We talked about, uh, what your day is like. Do you have, so if you get stuck, like you're working on something, um, you're just stressed out, you need some kind of relief. Do you have a particular activity or ritual or thing that you like to do to kind of shake your brain and, and switch modes? That was like a weird hand movement. You guys can't see this, but it was awkward. Um, the camera. I think it shut off. I think I heard it click. Oh, I know that's, it's probably better not recording at this point. Yes. You know, uh, I do a little dance party. <laughs> do you really? Well, like blast music, socks on, slide dance parties, or do you involve like Zane and your well, dog? Zane doesn't work at home anymore. I have the place to myself, and I'm like, well, I can blast anything I want now. <laughs> Sometimes our musical taste varies, so I'm wearing headphones working all day, and that, that keeps me focused, but... Mm-hmm. If I need a little break and I stand up and like, all right, put it on the jam box, turn it up. <laughs> yeah, nice. And the dog tries to play with me while I'm dancing because he thinks I'm trying to play, but I'm like, no, I just need to just dance it out. Like, once. <laughs> <laughs> so what? Like, what is your favorite song to dance to? Now I'm just picturing this, and I'm really curious. Oh man, like, do you go full on pop like Beyonce, or do you have? Um, it depends. You know, no, primarily. primarily when I'm listening. Oh, okay. So when I'm I'm doing work analytical stuff, I have to listen to things that don't have lyrics or just like, I love drum and bass. So I listen to that all morning. And then the afternoon is creative time. It's hip hop or um, like two step or I don't know, like deep house. But I love dancing to house music because you can't just not dance like that beat. Yeah. (laughs) I just throw on some like, I know lately I've been listening to Gorgon City, so that's usually a good station on Pandora, and mm-hmm. it's very happy, uppity, like, let's have a little dance <laughs> So what I've gleaned from this whole conversation is that you have solo dance parties, which is awesome, and you use Pandora versus Spotify. I do. Why? I'm just curious, because I'm a Spotify user, and I know a lot of Pandora users still, uh-huh. um, and I used Pandora for a while, but I just couldn't, I don't know, I like having full control over my music selection mm-hmm. I think that's it for me uh, I do use Spotify on occasion if I want something that's more current or um but I mostly listen to SoundCloud since I like to have a continuous mix going on there's a lot of artists on there that I like and a lot of smaller ones that haven't gotten record deals that I really enjoy their music so I'll use them that and then Pandora if I don't want to mix but they have a lot of stations that I've they was able to find a lot of unique music that I like and especially stuff that's not on the radio so I'll do that. Well, actually, no, I have a top 40 thing. <laughs> I like a little Rihanna and Beyonce sometimes. <laughs> oh, good dance song, the new Miss Elliott track. I haven't heard it, I don't oh. think. Oh, I totally... I'm going to have to. Oh, wait. Did she release a video with this one? She did. Okay, then I have heard it because I remember watching the video and being oh. like, wow, she's, she's still dancing, but you can tell that she's getting a little older, like her. Popping, she's still got it though. Yeah, she does for sure. She came back out of nowhere. 
And then after, uh, it was Super Bowl last year, mm-hmm. I think, where all the young youngins were like, who's this Missy Elliott chick? Uh, She's going to be big. <laughs> I was like, wow, you guys. Google. Google her. <laughs> and they will tell you that she's been around a long time. <laughs> um, okay, so what do you think? We're going to kind of go into a Q&A round okay. right now. Um, it's not the speed yeah, round yet, but it's a Q&A. Uh, so what do you think is your favorite thing about building your life? Because um, it seems like from you know a young age, you were always just kind of building, 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 building. You didn't follow a traditional path. What do you love about it and what keeps you doing it? Well, we only have one life, right? So um, try to do as much as possible. And I guess it kind of goes with the nature of my work that A-B tests everything. So it's like, <laughs> I do to find which thing I like better. And so, sorry, did I answer your question? I think it's... <laughs> yes, it did. Okay. <laughs> um, so uh, let's see. I'm trying to actually, this is something that's good before we get too deep into the questions. So I think you touched on this before, which is why it popped in my head. Do you have an underlying theme that's followed you between everything that you've done? Like what is the one thing that you enjoy from each endeavor? Um, and for me, I've said this before, as I explained to people, but I really like storytelling and Mm -hmm. everything that I do or work in involves some form of storytelling. Even marketing does that, Uh um, and audience building. So do you have something like that um, that ranges from your passions? I think just uh, philanthropy in, in, in different ways, like from just helping strangers to family, friends, to nonprofits. I, it gives me purpose. Mm-hmm. And I, don't, I think naturally I'm just, I'm just more of a giver than a taker. And But at the same time, I guess when I give, I just want to be rewarded with gratitude and I have to be passionate about it. Like I, I'm not very good at BSing certain things. So especially things that I'm passionate about. So I try to help people, but also find passion out of it. Yeah. I, I think that's great because one of the things that I feel like people forget, especially when you're not, I mean, everybody has to have money to live. Right. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that we forget is the feeling that when you give somebody or help somebody with something and they're just, they enjoy it, they're happy. Um, and they look to you with appreciation, mm-hmm. like that's just such a good feeling. Yeah. And I think we lose that in the day to day of like working with clients for money or, you know, whatever that is. And if we can find that in our day to day, um, like working with clients, yes, there's an exchange of money, but at the end of the day, you're helping them improve what they're doing. If we can like seek that out. Yeah. I think it makes the days more enjoyable. That it does. Do you think, um, this is kind of philosophical. Do you feel like we, as we are now, are really shaped by our past endeavors? Or do you think that our past endeavors, um, I'm going to butcher this question. <laughs> okay. Let me, let me rethink this. Um, do you think that the types of endeavors we choose to take on are shaped by who we are at the core or do you think that they're shaped by things that we've done? So kind of nature versus nurture, I guess, is probably a better way to put that now that I've confused the shit out of myself. <laughs> um, what a great question. Um, I think that, well, I personally believe that we are who we are at the core, but life is always ever-evolving. The people that we interact with, the, the situations we come across, I think it helps shape our exterior. So while you have a core... Like, yeah, I, th- I think your life just shapes you. Like you go through ups and downs, and the good things make you more appreciative of the good things. And when you ha- hit a, a low spot, I think it kind of puts things into perspective. But I think that at your core, you know who you are, how you present yourself to the world, and I think just throughout life, you'll run into things, and you can kind of shape your your life story essentially. And and if you were helpful in one way when you're younger and then over over time, like you had certain experiences, you could find other ways to be helpful or, mm-hmm. I don't know. I think, I think you are really right at your core, but it has room to, it can evolve. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I love that answer because nothing is certain. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think we're, we just constantly evolve. We're like uh, moths to butterflies. And then if a butterfly had like a third thing that it did, <laughs> that'd be us. <yes. laughs> 
so this is kind of a, a gender centric question. Okay. And I usually try to steer away from gender specific things just because I don't, I don't view. Well, anyway, I'm probably going to, okay. <laughs> so let's step back. Um, so for me, I have a lot of, uh, passions that don't tie into marketing. Mm -hmm. Um, so I write, I like acting, I like creating content and all of that stuff. But as a woman in business, sometimes you feel like when people know that side of you as well, Mm -hmm. um, it kind of makes you feel like you need to keep certain passions out of the picture, Mm -hmm. uh, so that people have a professional view of you. Um, do you feel like, you know, with DJing and how you're forging your path, um, do you just bring all of you Mm -hmm. to the table in professional situations? Or do you feel like, um, you know, like how do you deal with people? Um, Who you are, I guess. It depends on the person. I'm usually pretty intuitive when I meet people and I can gauge how much I can share. I'm usually pretty trusting of people, but I've learned to kind of tone that down until I kind of, I don't know, they gain my trust essentially. So, so with certain, with certain clients, clients, I'll pick, pick up, up whether it's all just let's talk shop. And then if there's room to on client meetings, like, oh, hey, how's your day? Like if they ask, like, how was your weekend? What did you do? And over time, I'll like drop in little things of like, oh, I enjoyed doing this and kind of give a better idea of who I am. I don't, I don't hide it. Um, I, I love to paint and I love music, obviously, um, although I don't do that anymore and traveling, which I'm trying to do a little bit more of. So I'll drop little snippets in here and there, but... I hope that they would want to work with me regardless of what my personal life entails. And yeah, I would hope that they'd be like, Oh, like that's cool. And I don't know, maybe it would give them, make them feel, I don't know, maybe the, the, there's a whole human element to it. It's not just business. So it's like, great. I can do your campaigns and do what other, whatever job uh, that needs to be done. But I also have this other side to me. Yeah. But, should maybe influence my work and make it better, if anything, instead of being like, okay, here's work, that's it. That's all there is to me. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's very enriching. It is. I think. Um, because when, I mean, there are people who are in the situations where they just work, 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 mm-hmm. and they literally don't have a passion. And I feel like they're missing, I don't know, they're missing bringing something to the table when they don't have other areas that they enjoy. Yeah. Um, because you can pull something from everything that you do. It doesn't have to be a direct connection, but if you're working on a campaign or I'm working on, you know, something content related, things that are my passion, I could think back and be like, oh, you know, I, I realized that this tied into this. Why don't I bring this into a content campaign and see, you know, how people react to it. So absolutely, I love that. I think that we shouldn't restrict who we are as like a 360 degree person. Um, I just noticed, uh, I don't know. I've heard conversations where it seems like, and maybe this is just old generation versus new generation. Mm-hmm. Um, because millennials, I think, are we considered millennials? I think we're like right before we're like gen, gen X. Yeah. I think okay. So. I keep having this conversation with people in our, our age range who are all like, technically like Wikipedia says we are, but I'm like, I, I can't relate. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like I'm right past, like right before whatever the millennials. So I think we're Gen X or is it Gen Y? I don't know. It might be Gen Y. I think it's Gen Y. I think parents are Gen X. I don't know. It's confusing because I feel like I've looked at three or four different sites and millennials have this strange range of mm-hmm. dates where there's not a specific date. Which do you identify more with? I kind of feel like I'm in the middle because I get a lot of what the younger generation is doing. Mm-hmm. Um because I have a lot of friends who have kids. So I like see them on their iPhones and like what they're doing. iPhones at, you know, nine years old. It's crazy what they do. Mm -hmm. Um, but actually this is something we didn't talk about talking about this, but I'm really interested in your take. Do you feel like the younger generation, because they're so exposed to social media, um, and basically from birth, like they're online, Mm -hmm. do you feel like that's going to help or hinder them in the future? Do you feel like the skills are going to excel or do you feel like they're going to lose the ability to build human relationships? You know, it's hard to generalize because my niece, she's what, 18. She's always on her phone, always on Snapchat, but she still understands the importance of a human connection and she knows when to put her phone away. Mm-hmm. But I think that's also part of her upbringing. Um, yeah. That's it's rare. Yeah. To see that. But from the stuff I see or read, like from people I don't know, I always see like people are always on their phones and kids are always walking. Like the other day I was walking and the dog was laying and 
um, there were two girls just holding up a phone, just Snapchatting, walking down the um, down the sidewalk. <laughs> And I was like, watch where you're going. Like, you, you might trip. Or I'm like, you might trip and get hit by a car. It happens. <laughs> and the two girls weren't even talking to each other. They're both just like on their phones. And there's that whole thing about like together alone. Yeah. And it makes me wonder that when people like when millennials, some of them get out of college or finish high school and they go out to the real world to get a job, that I wonder if that's going to hinder them getting a job because they don't know how to interact properly with somebody face-to-face. Yeah. On the screen. Yeah. I think about that a lot. Just curious what your take was. Um, I'm kind of fascinated with watching the younger generation grow up because they have so many things that we didn't have. Yeah. Um, but I think we did the best job of adapting because we not only uh, in our time didn't have mm-hmm. computers, but then we shifted into all of that stuff yep. coming in and then we adapted to the internet. So we're just, we're ballers. We're, yeah, boss. Yeah. <laughs> we're the best generation. We, we are. are. <laughs> <laughs> More hand movements. I hope it's a lot. Um, she just raised the roof. Mm-hmm. Quote unquote. And I haven't said that in any more ways. The roof. <laughs> whoop, whoop. <laughs> um, okay. So, which of these do you feel got you to where you are now and what do you want to build upon? Okay. So I have these four uh, mantra words that I picked out. Boldness, adaptability, fearlessness, and confidence. Which of them? Uh, what do you of? feel got you where you are now and okay. then which one do you want to build upon? Well, being younger, I was a lot... I didn't really have a lot of fears. So I think uh, boldness and fearlessness... Got you where I am now. I never considered myself bold until I don't know, just a few years ago. It was like, oh, you're bold. You you moved all over the place and you started your own business and and I never thought about it. But I guess I have been bold looking back now or kind of going back through my life. Um, the one thing that I didn't really have that I'm still working on is the confidence portion of that. So I'd like to become more confident, but. Having your own business, you kind of have to naturally be in certain conversations that aren't comfortable. And sometimes you have to talk about money and you can't really do that unless you're at least uh, put out that front that you're confident. Yeah. You actually believe it. So what's that saying? Um, Take it till you make it. (laughs) Well, it's true. Like the whole confidence thing is interesting because I feel like this kind of the whole fake it till you make it. Like, even if you're not a confident person, you're just put in so many weird situations that over time you start to acquire like a reassurance with yourself where you think, okay, I've had this really awkward conversation before though. It's uncomfortable and it's, you know, I'm not very confident. I know the way to approach it. So I think honestly being an entrepreneur, having a business, whatever you want to call it is one of the best ways to gradually build confidence. Mm -hmm. Um, Cause you just kind of have to, like you have no choice <laughs> <laughs> and you have to talk with a lot of people so that oh, yeah. just by nature, you start building up confidence and reading people and stuff like that. Plus, I think as we get older, it's, um, I don't want to say like care less, but it's starting to be not as, uh, that sounds bad when I say it. <laughs> I still obviously care a lot, but you know, as you get older, you're probably not as self-conscious about the way you speak or yeah. how you well, obviously, you have to say yourself well in front of people, um, but I think that compared to when you're younger, when you're still a teenager, you're really self-conscious and everybody thinks they're weird. Yeah, and you're really worried about, like, friends and how people perceive you and being liked and all of that stuff. So, so I think as you get older, you get a little more confident through that, too. For sure. Um, okay, so this is going to be our closing question before we hit the speed round. Ooh. What do you feel is one piece of advice that you want to give somebody who wants to live permissionless and just make a big leap, do something they've been wanting to do? What's your piece of advice? Man, if this wasn't Nike's slogan, I'd totally just take it right now. But honestly, just do it. (laughs) (laughs) It's the simplest way to put it. It's just if you want something, do it. Try it. What's the worst that can happen if it doesn't work out? So say you want to move somewhere move there. You can always move back if it doesn't work out. If you want to try a new job or a new career path or want to learn a new skill or maybe try a new hobby and hope that you'll be good at it. And if you're not, that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> so just do it. There's nothing to lose. You might gain something out of it. So it's worth, worth taking that chance. 
Yeah. And I mean, even if you fail, you still learn as long as you don't fail. So you can fail smartly and you can fail stupidly, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) That's the only way I can put it where if you just, you know that you're doing it wrong and yet you do it anyway, then that's one thing. But if you kind of research, like look into what you want to do, learn everything about it, set yourself up for success and you can fail smartly, take that lesson and then apply it to the next thing. So we'll just do it. Hashtag just do it. Um, Okay. Speed round. What is your, uh, so I'll give you a choice. What's your favorite book or podcast to help push your mindset out of its comfort zone? It will be permissionless. (laughs) Yes. That makes me happy. (laughs) I mentioned to hear all the other ones you've recorded. (laughs) I'm actually just going to leave that answer. (laughs) What are two, and now I'm curious because of your dance party story. Oh, goodness. What are two badass songs that get you pumped up? Oh, man. That's a loaded question. (laughs) Um, It's so hard for me to just pick one. So I guess off the top of my head, the Missy Elliott song, and then there's this new, I don't know if you're into drum and bass, but there's a really amazing mix that I've probably been listening to for the last five days nonstop on SoundCloud by Metalheads on Hospital Records. So that's probably... What is that? uh, Metalheads. It's one of their... I can share the link with you later. Yeah, because I want to hear it. I want to hear it, and I'm also going to share it with everybody. Oh, okay. So they'll be able to hear it too. Awesome. And hopefully it'll pump them up. Actually, no, sorry, there's two separate ones. There's a hospital record one, and then there's a metalheads one. Okay, cool. Um, and for everybody listening, I'm going to put all this in the show notes too, so you'll be able to stock all of the songs and anything that she's talking about. So who is somebody that you feel truly lives permissionless? It can be an idol. It can be a loved one. Um, idol, that word is so weird. Um, or a person in business, anybody. Um, I would have to say my mother and our uh, mutual friend, Pamela Lund. So they are they're both very bold, ambitious, kind, and caring people that do live permissionless, that they try to figure out the best path for them and the people they care about. And I, I look up to both of them very much. I wonder if Pam's ears are burning. I should text her and be like, do you feel like somebody's talking about you right now? Because we kind of are. <laughs> Who is somebody that you'd like to see interviewed on permissionless? And it can be anybody. I can't guarantee I can get them, but I just, I want to know. Richard Branson. Ooh, that's an interesting one. Hmm. Make it happen. No pressure. <laughs> I had uh, one of my other guests who I love. She suggested Betty White. That would be fantastic. And I was like, how, what, how, like, how can I make this happen? Cause it, that didn't even cross my mind. But if you look at her career and who she is, she lives her life how she wants to. Oh, like, she's sure. just a badass woman. She is. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay. So that was the last of all the questions we had. Um, and I really loved everything that we talked about. I mean, the fact that you, you have a creative and an analytical side, which I think is unique. Um, so you have a lot of creative endeavors that you enjoy, but you're very, um, I mean, when you're working in paid, you have to be just very analytical, especially when it comes to reporting and keeping tabs on things. But I want to close this out with what has been the most favorite place that you've traveled to off your bucket list. Oof. Um, last August, uh, Zane and my boyfriend and I went to Zion National Park. That was probably the most beautiful place I've been to. Really? But since it's fresh on my mind right now, I'm actually leaving for Belize next Tuesday <laughs> with my cousin and we're doing Did you watch Breaking Bad at all? Uh, a few seasons. I watched the beginning, a few seasons, and then the ending. I missed the middle. <laughs> Did you hear the Belize part? No. Oh, okay. Should I know this before I go on my trip? <laughs> No, I won't spoil it for you. It's, um, I mean, I can spoil it for you. I do that for everybody anyway. Go for it. Um, So whenever uh, one of the characters would say going to Belize, Mm -hmm. and if I'm remembering correctly, because it's been a while, it just means that they're going to kill it, like they're dead. So if you said Belize, it like, click. Why don't they all be doing that on my trip? (laughs) (laughs) One of my life goals is to never get arrested. So (laughs) (laughs) That's a good life goal. I feel like everybody should live by that. <laughs> Don't get arrested. Um, so, if anybody wants to find you, whether it's business related, um, marketing related, or just because they want to contact you and talk to you about other stuff, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at Akila Harlow, and for spelling reasons, it's A K V I L E Harlow. 
Um, or you can email me at hi at akbilaharlow.com. All right. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. It's been a blast having you here, even though it's like hundred degrees. Um, and I really appreciate it. I know our audience is going to love hearing your story and hopefully I'll get to see you again soon. Likewise. Thank you so much for having me. It was great. Bye. Thank you for listening to Permissionless. Thanks again for tuning into the Permissionless podcast. We will have episode four up in two weeks. So two Mondays from now. If you want to catch up with us on social media, you can find us at twitter.com forward slash permissionless underscore L-E-S-S. Long story behind that. You can also find us on Facebook, which is just the permissionless name. And you can also check out permissionless.com if you want to sign up for our newsletter and keep up with any of our updates. So I will catch you for the next episode. See you later. I dare you to stop asking for permission. I challenge you, you crazy creative or entrepreneur, to be bold, to take risks, to listen to your gut and remember that you have the ability to accomplish anything that you put your heart and mind to. I challenge you to be strong in the face of adversity and hardships and to keep pushing when the future looks unclear, to be adaptable, to build businesses, lives, and relationships that set your soul ablaze. I challenge you to ignite the entrepreneur in you or nourish the existing one. To say yes to yourself and know that you can achieve your goals. You'll demolish the imaginary barriers keeping you from reaching your highest potential. I challenge you to live with fearlessness and confidence. I challenge you to live permissionless.